Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Heard all across the United States, Canada, and around the world. This is the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Hank is president of the Christian Research Institute. At CRI, our desire is to equip you to not only defend the historic Christian faith, but become an apprentice of Jesus Christ, because life and truth matter. To learn more or to find resources to help you grow in grace, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-274 or go to our website at equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. The question that is asked so often in our culture is, if we can't see God, how can we know that He really exists? And it's not uncommon for skeptics to suppose that Christians are actually irrational to believe in a God they can't see. In reality, however, it is irrational for skeptics to suppose that what cannot be seen doesn't exist. Christians and skeptics alike, well, they recognize black holes, electrons, laws of logic, and of course the force of gravity, despite the fact that all these are unseen. And even the most ardent anti-supernaturalist recognizes the gravity of gravity. In other words, if you're standing at the top of a big building, you know what's going to happen if you jump. Furthermore, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, as Paul puts it, have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Put another way, the order and the complexity of the universe testify to the existence of an uncaused first cause, i.e. God. And then finally, Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. And as such, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is the supreme act of God's self-revelation. Therefore, we can experience the power and presence of God in a way that is more fundamentally real than our perceptions of the physical world. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we read now, we see but a poor reflection, just like as we would in a mirror, then we'll see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. I've answered many questions about the issue of origins and the creation answer, which is available through the ministry of the Christian Research Institute. Check it out on the World Wide Web at equip.org, or just give us a call at... 888 and the letter is CRI, or of course you can also write us at Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. A lot of you hanging on. We'll go right to your calls. Joy first in Modesta, California. Hi, Joy. Hi, Hank. Thank you. Um, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness, and I was lucky enough to get saved 
Um, what is the paradise exactly? Because the Jehovah's Witnesses they believe that you know, there's going to be a thousand year reign after the um, after Armageddon, and that we will be everybody that is dead will be resurrected to a paradise on Earth, and that you know they'll have a thousand years to choose either God or Satan, which you know makes no sense. Um, but they believe that that I don't really I don't believe any of that stuff. But what is the thousand year reign? And when uh, we close our eyes in death, do we immediately wake up in the presence of God, or is there some sort of interim paradise in heaven before something else? And um, no, here, where here, are the saved dead yeah, after? Here's the bottom line: right now, if we die, we're absent from the body, present with the Lord as believers. If we die as unbelievers, we are experiencing a torment a final judgment that is to come. Jesus said that in the future, he is going to come back. Do not be amazed at this. A time is coming when all in the graves will come out. Some will rise to live and some will rise to be eternally condemned. When our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ appears a second time, that's what's going to happen. Everyone is going to be resurrected, some to eternal life and some to eternal separation because that is what they want. As far as the Jehovah's Witness idea that there is a heavenly class and an earthly class, that the heavenly class consists of 144,000, the earthly class is a big multitude that will reside on earth. That is fiction. The reality is that the great multitude and the 144,000 are one and the same. One viewed from one perspective, the other viewed from another perspective. One viewed as people from every tongue and tribe and nation. The other viewed as a multitude of people. So this idea is communicated not as though there are two classes of people, but only one class of people, the 144,000. They're numbered on the one hand, numberless on the other. What does that number signify, though? What, where do they get that number? Well, the 144,000 is a literary construction to begin with. Let me point out what's going on. Literarily, the 144,000 and the great multitude are comparable to what you find in Revelation with respect to the lion and the lamb. So remember in Revelation, John is told about a lion, then he turns to see a lamb. In the same way, he's told about the 144,000, and then he turns to see a great multitude. And that's what I was talking about. The 144,000 is to the great multitude what the lion is to the lamb. It's the same entity, but seen from two different vantage points. From one vantage point, the purified bride is numbered. From another, she's innumerable, a great multitude that no one can count. Now, furthermore, what's going on here is that you have a number that establishes a numberless multitude, which is something that's concert with apocalyptic literature. The figurative use of the number 12 and its multiples is well established in biblical history. So, Then you have the figurative use of the whole number 1,000. It's also common in Old Testament usage. You see that over and over throughout the Scriptures, where 1,000 is a whole number, is a—it's like God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It doesn't mean that there's God only owning cattle on a thousand hills. It's that God owns everything. And so it's a metaphorical use 
of thousands. So what you have is 12 times 12 times thousand, and that's used in a figurative way to talk about the full complement of God's people, the 12 apostles of the Lamb times the 12 tribes of Israel times 1,000. So it's a numberless multitude of those who are redeemed. Okay. Well, thank you so much. That was really informative. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for your call. We want to go back to the phone lines. We'll talk next to Tadito in Pompano Beach, Florida. Hi, Tadito. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, just have a quick question now about dinosaurs. Did they exist? Why was no mention the Bible? And they was created with man or before man? Well, there are different opinions in different Christian circles as to the dinosaurs. Many Christians believe that dinosaurs predated the creation of humankind. There are other Christians that believe that dinosaurs and human beings walked along the earth at the same period of time and now are extinct. So these are different views that Christians hold, and I've written about what my opinion is in terms of the two views. Uh, I think that dinosaurs were created before human beings were created. And that's what you have in the book of Genesis. You don't have a chronology of creation as much as you have a hierarchy of creation being communicated in the biblical text, culminating in the crowning jewels of God's creation, humankind. Yeah, but if it was Well, some people say that the Bible does mention dinosaurs. Some people think that in Job 40 and 41, dinosaurs are being described. I don't think that passage has anything to do with dinosaurs. But there are all kinds of things that are not represented in the Bible. All truth is God's truth, and God reveals his truth not only through special revelation— but also through general revelation. So if you look at the universe that God has created, you see things that God has created, and through general revelation, we can get an idea of when God created those things as well, those animals or whatever it happens to be, dinosaurs in this case. They were created before man. I'm not doubting what you're saying, but they were created before man, and they were destroyed before man. Why the reason that this? Well, there are a lot of reasons for this. The first reason that I would give you is that Adam's sin accounts for all evil in the world. Not only evil that follows the sin of Adam, but evil that precedes the sin of Adam. In the same way we see Jesus Christ's cross atones for all sin. Not only sin that follows the cross, but sin that precedes the cross. So Adam's sin accounts for all moral and natural evil that we experience in this universe. That's a systemic problem. And dinosaurs, earthquakes, the earth itself groaning into the... Everything that happens in terms of nature, red and tooth and claw, the death we experience, the pain we experience, all of that has a systemic root, and that systemic root is sin. All right, thank you. You got it. Again, I've written about this in the Creation Answer Book. Be right back with more answers to your questions right here on the Bible Answer Man broadcast in just a few moments. Pastor Martin Niemöller spent the last seven years of Nazi rule in concentration camps. Reflecting on the camps where millions would die, Niemöller said, First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. 
Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. To ensure that your voice is heard and that someone is speaking for you, become a member today of CRI's support team. Simply call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. Or visit our website at equip.org. Don't tune out. Hank will be back after the break. If you thought the pandemic was scary, it may actually pale in comparison to today's pandementia. We're talking about wokeism and its growing legions of followers who have defiantly and dangerously declared their independence from reality. That's right, for those infected by the woke virus, anytime their ideology encounters reality, ideology wins. To help halt the advance of this deadly social and mental disease, you'll want a copy of the special edition of the Christian Research Journal. In it, you'll feast on penetrating analyses and criticisms of one of the most dangerous ideologies in modern history, all written to help you grasp just how deranged this tyrannical movement actually is. To receive your copy, visit Equip.org, that's Equip.org, or call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. So rapid and pandemic has been the decline of biblical literacy and spiritual discernment that our once unimaginable post-truth culture is effectively becoming an anti-truth culture. While the sun is setting on the Western church, Islam is now the fastest growing religion in the world. This means that it's not simply enough to be aware of this threat. Christians need to wake up, stand up, and speak up. This means being able to counter the outright lies about Islam that otherwise will go unchecked with horrendous consequences. And that's what Hank Hanegraaff's book, Muslim, What You Need to Know About the World's Fastest Growing Religion, will enable you to do. To receive your copy as our appreciation for your financial partnership, call 888-7000-CRI. Make a gift to support CRI's many outreaches. 888-7000-CRI or visit equip.org. Has God spoken? Are the words of Scripture merely human in origin, or are they in fact the very words of God Himself? Three years in the making and based on two decades of research and reflection, Hank Hanegraaff's monumental book, Has God Spoken?, answers what is surely the most important question facing our world. In Has God Spoken?, memorable proofs of the Bible's divine inspiration, Hank counters the contentions of the Bible attackers and clearly shows that belief in the Holy Scriptures is not a guess or wishful thinking. It is the only logical conclusion after an honest examination of overwhelming evidence. Order Has God Spoken from the Christian Research Institute by calling 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org, equip.org. Once again, here is Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy, and let's go right back to our phone calls. Next up is Gina listening in Kansas City, Missouri. Hi, Gina. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, 
I've been listening to you for a couple of months now. Um, I've been trying to get back to studying the Bible. I have always flipped here and there and whatever, and I decided, well, while I'm flipping, I'll start in Genesis and go work my way through. And uh, I came into Exodus, and I was reading, and everything was fine. And then I got to verse 24, and 24 and 25 and 26 don't seem to belong there, and I'm not sure who it's speaking to. Of what chapter? It's chapter 4, I'm sorry. Uh And uh, someone, well, they're speaking, uh, his wife, Zipporah, is talking about uh, a foreskin throwing at his feet and calling him a bloody husband. And uh, I don't really understand what the in is. It just doesn't seem to fit in the surrounding scripture. Well, let's start with the whole issue of circumcision. Circumcision for Abraham was a sign of the everlasting covenant between God and his people. It was a a sign of commitment to God and, and symbolized that the Lord alone was to be trusted and served. It's very much like a marriage covenant. The commitment that a husband has to his wife is the commitment that God has to his people, and God's people are to have towards God. Now, obviously, from your own personal circumstance, you can see a circumstance where people don't recognize that love is a commitment. They see love as only a feeling, and the feelings ebb and flow. And when something happens where your wife can't do anything for you, to please you or make you happy, then you just abandon her. That's not what love is. Love is a commitment, and that commitment is the basis of of our relationship, not only in marriage, but it is the relationship that we have with God. He is committed to us, and when we come into fellowship with Him, we have an everlasting binding relationship to God. Now, taking that to the passage that you're asking about in Exodus 4.24, we see Moses. He was going to be the great lawgiver. He was going to be not only a lawgiver in general, but a lawgiver to God's people who were going to be a light to the nations, and yet in disobedience to the law of circumcision. He is now no longer going to adhere in the circumstance of circumcision, but rather he's going to try to please the wishes of his Midian wife, Zipporah. And so that's what's going on here. And God actually uses the Midianite wife to bring him to a true valuation of things because she actually ends up, though she uses a term of derision and disgust for the practice, she ends up saving his life by doing what he should have done. Oh, because he wasn't circumcised. Okay. I just, you know, I mean, I'm glad that I called and asked that, because now I understand better what it is as well. Uh, But I didn't understand why it was positioned in the middle of the passage there, you know, from between 23 and 27, and it was talking about something different, it seemed to me. Yeah, there's a context for it, and this has to do, again, with not his personal circumcision, but the circumcision of his son. I understand. Okay, that's really wonderful. You have a great show, by the way. I learn a lot from it as I continue to study through my Bible. (laughs) Bless you, dear. I appreciate you calling. I want to go back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Rose next. Rose is listening in Edmonton. Alberta Canada. Hi, Rose. Hi. 
Um, I have two questions. Okay. So I have talked to Muslims. Uh, I know they believe in Jesus. They believe that he is uh, a prophet. Yes. We Christians, we believe that Jesus is God. But then, if my question is, if Muslims really believe Jesus that was a prophet, perhaps they know that Jesus, when Jesus was here on the earth, he, he talked about God, he talked what God asked him to tell people here on the earth, but why they didn't write any New Testament in their Quran about what Jesus talked when he was here? If they do really believe in him, why they never say anything as they said about Muhammad, that he said this and this in Quran, why they don't show us what Jesus said? Yeah, well, here's the thing. They dogmatically denounce the Christian declaration of Christ's unique deity. They think that's the unforgivable sin of shirk, and that's why the Quran says, God forgiveth not the sin of joining other gods with him, but he forgiveth whom he pleases other sins than this. So what they readily affirm is the sinlessness of Christ, but they deny his sacrifice on the cross, and they deny his subsequent resurrection. Muslims believe that God made someone look like Jesus, and the lookalike was crucified in his place. So they deny exactly, his crucifixion. Yes. Yeah. But here's the thing. They oftentimes do not understand what begotten means, and this is an opportunity for Christians to explain that. So in their way of thinking, calling God Father and Jesus Christ Son, what that suggests is sexual procreation. And their Quran says it's not befitting of Allah that he should beget a son, because Allah begetteth not, nor is begotten. But the Bible does not use the term begotten with respect to the Father and the Son in the sense of sexual reproduction, but rather in the sense of special relationship. And therefore, you have the Apostle John saying that Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. And this is underscoring the fact that Jesus Christ is, in fact, God. And likewise, when the Apostle Paul refers to Jesus as the firstborn over all creation, he's emphasizing that Christ is preeminent. He is the prime position. He's the creator of all things. So they misunderstand this, and it's an opportunity to use their misunderstanding as an opportunity to communicate the gospel. Yeah. So do you think they refuse to, to include New Testament in the Quran so that people should not know the truth about Jesus? Well, Muhammad did not get his information from God. He got his information from a bad source. So okay. his is a completely humanly constructed religion. Whereas Christianity demonstrates itself to be true because it's based on a genuine, uncorrupted revelation. And herein lies the problem. Muslims believe that the Quran is the only uncorrupted revelation of God, but it is replete with faulty ethics and factual errors. The Bible, however, cannot be accused of such a thing. The Bible is consistent throughout. So we can see through the manuscript evidence, through archaeological evidence, through predictive prophecy, that the Bible demonstrates itself to be divine. This is not true of the Quran. Okay. So my second question, they said that when Jesus was uh, descending back to heaven, that he said that, because um, 
for Christians, we know that he said that he's going to send us the Holy Spirit, which will, the, the disciples will receive for them to get power to start doing God's work. It's the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. So the Muslims say that it was not the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus said, I'm going to send Muhammad. That somebody who said that he's going to come to help those people, it was Muhammad. Which I don't think it's right. So no, it isn't. It, and, it, and this is... argument on that. How yeah. do you argue that? Well, look, in, in addition to rejecting the divinity of Jesus, what Islam does is renounce the divine identity of the Holy Spirit. So that's a huge problem as well. Far from being the third person of the triune God who inspired the text of the Bible, Islam says that the Holy Spirit is the archangel Gabriel, the very one who supposedly dictated the Quran to Muhammad over a period of 23 years. Now, while the Holy Spirit who dictated the Quran is said to be the archangel Gabriel, Islam identifies the Holy Spirit promised by Jesus in John 14 as Muhammad. Of course, the Bible rejects that kind of corruption, that kind of misrepresentation, because biblically the Holy Spirit is neither an angel nor a mere mortal. Rather, he's the very God who redeems us from our sins and will one day resurrect us to eternal life. But this gets down to the foundational issue, what is your authority? Is your authority the corrupted revelation of the Quran or the uncorrupted revelation of Scripture? And again, we believe the Bible's divine as opposed to merely human in origin, not through blind faith, but faith in evidence. For example, I wrote a book called Has God Spoken? And in that book, I compare what Islam says with respect to what corresponds to reality, not only with regard to the Quran, but also with regard to Jesus Christ, and what the Bible teaches and why one can be trusted and the other can't. Thank you for answering my question. You're welcome. It was my privilege. Thank you. Bye. We're out of time for this edition of the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Our contact information as we sign off via the mail is Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271, on the World Wide Web, again, equip.org, and via the phone, 888 and the letters CRI out of here for today. We'll see you next time with more of the show. Thank you for joining us for the Bible Answer Man broadcast. In today's post-truth culture of confusion, the Christian Research Institute exists to equip listeners like you with answers to communicate the gospel of hope to a world in desperate need of life and truth. Because life and truth matter. In addition to truth, we want to equip you with life, not simply to know about God, but truly to know Him. Experiencing union with Christ enables us to live life not merely by our own energy, but with the energy of the Lord Jesus working powerfully through us. For more information, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI. You can also write CRI at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28271 or just visit us online at equip.org. That's equip.org. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is funded by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. If you're not horrified, you should be because the relentless assaults of wokeism on sanity and common sense have now reached a fevered pitch. In fact, some astute observers see more than deranged ideologies at work. 
it's as though the gates of hell have been opened. And alarmingly, the speed of this mindless rush to chaos and potential civilizational collapse is gaining momentum daily. That means Christians need to wake up and wake up fast. One of the best alarm clocks is the special Woke edition of the Christian Research Journal. It contains sobering articles with penetrating analyses of a social disease that is reaching a flashpoint. To receive your copy of this special edition of the Christian Research Journal, visit equip.org. That's equip.org. Or call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-CRI.